This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening and welcome to Back of the Nest. My name is Michael Fairley. I am your host for... No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, you started to get a little self If I carried on, it's like Samantha would have used it. Back of the Nest Match Review Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. I am Chris Hambling, and this week I'm your host once again as we look back at a fascinating game. This Palace played, played Everton at Sellers Park, you know, really, uh, there's lots going on, it's uh, really adventurous, and um, all, the, all the things that happened in that game, we're going to be uh, talking about those today, the many events uh, that transpired during those 90, 94 minutes or so, like when uh, that guy did that thing with the ball. Sort of kicked it and then um, the guy went after it and that was, was great so anyway uh, helping me do that I have a panel sort of it might just be one other person let's see what happens um, but of course we've got plenty of listener contact as well and I'll introduce you to my extensive panel after this short message Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast Hello listeners, Terence from the Preview Podcast here and this coming Saturday is the big one against Cardiff, the potential part of the Brighton relegation party. Me, Albert and Heskiff will be recording the Preview Podcast on Thursday, so look out from your inboxes from that point onwards. Right, so welcome back after that very enjoyable message. Um, and to introduce my panel, well, I said that in a way that I was going to introduce someone who was going to introduce the panel. That's a bit odd. Um, so we've got a bit of a change this week. Uh, DR had to rush off because his dad was stuck. Uh, we're unsure what that means, whether it means that he's physically stuck in the kebab shop on some old chilli sauce, perhaps some curdled garlic mayonnaise, or um, or he's sat in the, the donner pot, which is uh, always a danger. You know, it seems like you can sit on it, but it's a bigger hole than you think. Um, that's, that's what she said. Now... Um, before I monologue myself into oblivion, let's introduce, first of all, Mr. Mike Scott. How are you doing? Yeah, as you can tell, not very well mentally. Um, but, hey, we're, we're doing the show. Um, yeah, and it was, a, it was a great game to talk about. So, really excited. Yeah, you? yeah, I mean, I got the week off when we beat Arsenal 3-2, and then I'm back for this. Uh, it's a bit, yeah. So, maybe I shouldn't come on. Uh, but I did have a lovely weekend off. Uh, played the festival up in Manchester. Went great. Got hammered. Discovered pineapple daiquiris. Uh, played about the heaviest set of the whole weekend, I think. So it was good. Uh, and I did cover the preview pod last week. And I happened to mention that Terence was off because he'd punched a dugout. Uh, a bit like uh, Deli Alley and Townsend had done. Um but his dad heard it and he was really concerned um, and he texted him saying, are you okay? Um, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. What's the problem? He'd heard that I'd said uh, Terence had punched a dog. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> punched, a, punched a dog out. I mean, I can... I mean, I, I, I punched the dog out. Okay, because I, I thought, well, my pronunciations must be really poor for that for that to have been what he heard. But it's, uh, 
It's pronunciation, Mike. Just oh, help you. Oh, let's go. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, as a very, very special treat, in an almost first first time ever, uh, replacing Dr. And confusingly, on my screen, he is still known as Dr. For some reason, it's it's the the original creator himself. Um, I don't mean any of the various gods that you may or may not believe in, but it's Mr. Michael Fairley. Yo, you. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? You good. Good. Yeah. Good. I called I called you Mike for the first time ever. You did. That was a bit weird. Ten, 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 bit nine weird. Nine years. Yeah. We're not that formal. Uh, Mr. Fairley, I tend to call you. Um, so, um, you uh, you uh, enjoy the old game against Everton there? Nope. <laughs> no. Um, that is probably roughly around the level Mikey will be communicating on this particular show, but we will get his pearls of wisdom on a fairly regular basis. Fairly. Sam. <laughs> fairly, that's your surname, isn't it? Oh, 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 oh. I mean, they're just, oh, what a, what a just hilarious. Gold. We're just yeah. gold. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, it was nice. It's really nice to hear from, from Mikey. Um, I, I say nice. Frankly, that was so poor that I think we've got to sub the sub. So I'm going to sub in, well, I don't know, let's delve around our US uh, demographic and bring in Patrick O'Connor. Hi, Patrick. Hello. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, sorry, Mikey was just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, I just asked him a basic question like a human being, and he, he just failed to deliver on that. So hope you don't mind uh, being subbed on very early in the first half. Um, I feel like Max May. I'm fine. <laughs> it took a while, but I know I get on eventually. Um, I, haven't, I haven't got too much time to talk to you about anything, although I do want to draw attention to a, a conversation I had earlier with Mike and, and get your views on it. So I'm, you know, I've recently moved to to a new house in a, in Reading. I got very excited this weekend because I bought myself a new Hoover, just thirty pounds. And um, Mike has told me that my early excitement at the quality of this thirty pound Hoover is misplaced, and that by the third use of this hoover it will no longer function and in fact he used the, the term that i will soon be picking bits up and putting it in the <laughs> hoover. Um, as a man of experience are cheap hoovers a bad idea all right i'm gonna vacuum. say in america we call them vacuums yeah. so it's different i when i was a kid i called them a hoover and i came over here and didn't know what a hoover was because hoover's not a company over here i don't think secondly i actually vacuum my own house i'm a very good husband so i think that um if you long as you bought a decent one it should last because I've been vacuuming, hoovering for years and I've never really had too many issues. I've been picking up stuff with my hand. So I think it'd be okay. Right. I think the problem there is <laughs> as long as I bought a decent one, which which I didn't. Okay. Let's move swiftly on into topic one. So topic one is all about how I'm still a little bit fed up, to be honest with you. Everton, the Everton game, as I've already mentioned, not the best of games. Um, and I couldn't help but think, even though I was taking into account we'd done well to negate an Everton side in very good form, um, and even though I felt the defensive shape was decent, we just, again, it's the same old thing. We just didn't have a go. And now we haven't even got the, the excuse of we desperately need the points. So I had that hope, didn't I, that we would snap out of it as soon as we were able to you know, relax because we were safe that we'd actually go and try and attack a team, but we just didn't. And I just want to know why. And we've had a couple of, well, one agreeing, one dissenting opinion. So um, Mark Callahan wants to know why are we so negative at home? And we'll certainly talk about why that is. But um, Pete Hostashny, um said it was another great defensive display, especially from the back five. Um, so... I don't know. I don't really know. I, I sort of agree that it was a good defensive display. And he's obviously pointing out it's our backup, backup central defensive pairing. So we've got to be happy about that. But I don't know, guys. I can't really be happy with that level of performance. And again, it's a home game. We've been terrible at home. Brilliant away. Fantastic away. Almost unbelievable away from home when you look at our record this season. But second worst only to Huddersfield at home in the league. 13 goals all season, it, it can't be good enough. Well, let's just take into consideration that it is Everton, though, and they did just hammer Man United 4-0. Um, so, you know, we're, we're not talking that we couldn't break down Cardiff, as in earlier this season. Um, you know, Silva came out 
in the press conference after the game and said, we should have had three points. It was the first thing he said. And I guess because of Guaita's save, which will probably make up about 90% of the discussion on the game, um, we, I can agree with him. But I didn't really stand there yesterday and think, we're going to lose. We're going to go like Spurs always do and concede a goal in the 86th minute. So it felt solid. It felt like it was good. It, it was going forward that it was the issue. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, I think it, it, that problem has been home and away. Um, when we're not counter-attacking, uh, nobody quite knows what to do. And there was a big old gap between every player that had the ball and everyone else. Um, and yeah, I mean, everyone's a bit sick of it. But at the same time, we got a point against Everton. And let's not let's not say that that's nothing because there's been a lot of games against Everton since we've been we've been up and we've lost to them heavily. Uh, just because we drew two all last time, we haven't got a great record against them. So Definitely agree that um, a point against Everton any other time would be uh, laudable. Most definitely agree with Mike on that. But this is my issue with yesterday is that we, you know, we, are, we are safe. Um, he replaces, um, you know, uh, Van Aanholt for Ward. And I just don't think our midfield four uh, works. I'd like to have seen Townsend play yesterday instead of MacArthur. I think that would have given us more wits. We have Benteke up front, played a brilliant game uh, last week, and yesterday I don't think I saw. I don't. I don't, don't think I saw one cross when he was on the up top. Not one. I don't think it makes sense to have Benteke in the pitch in a windy condition and not give him one ball in the air for him to prove that, like he did last week, he's a good head of the ball. I, don't, I just don't understand the tactics. Um, I get that we're a counter-attacking team. I get that we uh, uh, sit off teams both home and away. I get you know playing Wolf off of Benteke, but. To me, it's yesterday. Just just put back Shwai up up top with um with a uh, Benteke and play Wolf and Townsend wide and just put Kiate and Luca in the middle. I don't understand why you went with that with midfield four. I I love Mayer and I didn't have a problem with how he played yesterday, but it's it's just it that just that combination of, of MacArthur, Kiate, Luca, and Maya just doesn't work. I don't know what it is, and nobody gets really stuck in. So there's Mike's about big gaps or huge gaps. I thought between our forwards and our midfield, and I just felt everything just kind of strolled through our midfield to get to our to the 18 and then I thought again I did think our back five did play well considering they're not I'll, I'll, I'll start in back five slash four but I just think that it just the tactics were negative I just think that the midfield which should be the thing that boosts how you play going forward just doesn't work and it doesn't work at home and it, it certainly doesn't doesn't work away and it certainly doesn't work at home just to pick up on Ben Teke um went and had a look because it felt like he didn't win many headers yesterday um and he had uh, an aerial win rate of 45%. So he lost more headers than he actually got. Um, and I really don't think... It, we've been talking about probably not this season, probably the, both of the last two seasons, about how he's he's there for the hold-ups and that kind of thing. And one of the main problems yesterday, and this is probably why everyone was so frustrated, was there wasn't even any hold-ups because he, he just wasn't even winning the ball. So it really magnified those huge gaps between the players because it didn't give them any time to uh, to get forward, regardless of who was in the in the midfield four, because we just weren't even winning the ball when the ball was heaved up in the air anyway. Um, and that that did frustrate. I, I heard people all around me really frustrated. I do think you've got to take into consideration the conditions uh, when you look at Ben Teke because I actually, contrary to to what a few people think, I thought he did relatively well he had a couple of sort of glaring moments where he made mistakes which I think probably stuck in people's minds but given the way we played and the amount of the ball we had and again those gaps that we're talking about I think he did a a reasonable job as I thought Wilf did in terms of you know the overall contribution to the team because a lot of what they were doing was was tucking back in and, and being extra defenders which really feeds into the point that I'm arguing about which is which is why do that now why are we so bothered now about protecting a point you know that this seems an ideal time just to cut loose and see what we what we can achieve and maybe try some of the suggestions tactically or lineup wise that you know Patrick was talking about but I, I don't I, I don't really think this is a I don't think this is the time we just play the same way don't we every time we play that we play the same way we have the same attitude to every game that consistency we talked about with Roy Hodgson 
and that's why he's getting stick and that's why you know the players are struggling at home and I get annoyed with the whole home record because it doesn't really allow me to celebrate what a great away record we have because it's so poor and my problem is not not that we only got a point against Everton at home my problem is that when you look throughout the course of the season we don't seem to have really done anything about it uh, and that's what I'm struggling with but look we've talked about these things an awful lot this season um, I'm conscious I may not be saying anything new but I think it was really highlighted in this game well I'll try and say something new certainly something that we haven't discussed um, I went to see how many shots we had uh, so I remember the Burnley game always sticks in my head at home and was it like 29 shots and they had one or something and I was convinced that I would see Everton had a ton and we had none um, apparently we had eight and I find that very hard to believe because at about 70 minutes when I think it was Maka who had a shot um, and it just went sort of tamely into the keeper, there was a chant of, we've had a shot on target. Um, and yeah, apparently eight eight shots, including three on target. Um, so it does suggest to me that the stats that maybe we've been using as gospel all season are actually um, slightly bollocks. Um, but yeah. <laughs> they certainly feel bollocks, Mike. I know what you mean. <laughs> but Mike, you know what? You're right. I'm looking at the stats now, but you're talking about eight shots based on 36% of possession, 201 passes compared to 433 for Everton when we're playing at home, and a 65% success passing rate. That's just not good enough at home, is it? No, I mean, yeah, you're right. That, that's poor. But, but what I would say the other way is... Um, you could argue it was a bit of a smash and grab because if if I'd have been Everton fans, I would have been really annoyed that didn't get a point. Um, and there wasn't it wasn't that long ago in the Premier League that when we pulled off a point where we didn't deserve it, I was absolutely over the moon. So I think it goes back to what we have discussed before that our expectations have slightly shifted. I think that the the, the reason why everyone's annoyed about it is the fact that it was just a, yeah. a really dull game. Um, but you know. This this that would be Hewlett's <laughs> wet dream. I mean, what a terrible terrible image. Well, um, yeah, but no, I know what you mean. It is again. I don't want to get trapped into into a negative way. I think it's very hard after that game to find too much to talk about in general. But we've sort of, we've kind of got to the point when we're talking about the chances created. You know, one of the other observations I, I, I sort of took out of the game, and there's not a huge list, um, but I found and it was really highlighted by. James MacArthur on a couple of occasions, and there's certainly one from Max Mayer in the first half, getting into good positions and failing to deliver, failing to make good on that. And it made me think about, uh, you know, something I've, I've talked about before, I'm sure. Are we getting the right players in those positions? It's, you know, it's great movement on a couple of occasions for, for MacArthur to get in forward areas out wide in a great position to pull the ball back. The number of times I've seen, even in the last few games, I think, Penteke must be put well. I say pulling his hair out. It's pretty short, but you know, he he has been free square probably five six times over the course of the last maybe four three games or so. Maybe four if you count some of the sub appearances. He just we just don't seem to get the head up and, and look for the easy ball in those situations. There's a lot of there's an eagerness to shoot or the, or the ball's kind of drilled into the near post and cleared easily. Admittedly, it's rare that we have that many options in the box, and I think perhaps over the course of the season, the lack of options uh, has meant it's not quite—it's not kind of natural once players get in those positions to know who they're going to aim at without looking up and, and trying to pick someone out. But we, we've definitely failed to do that. And my concern, and really the question is, how on earth do we solve it? Is you know why why are we not getting the right players in those positions? We want Wilf or or Townsend, you know, you know, in those positions. So. Team selection must come into it if they're, you know, if, if they're not playing out wide. I guess. I mean, it's a huge subject to to start talking about players in positions, and this seems like the ideal pod to bring it up because we got nothing else to talk about with it in terms of the game. Um, but it seemed to me, especially in the second half yesterday, and, and always when you stand in the Holmesdale, you, you tend to analyse the uh, the attacking side of things more in the second half just because you can't see what's happening in the first half. Um, but there was plenty of PVA and Maka who I actually thought myself run himself ragged yesterday and in a in a team that I wouldn't have given anyone more than six out of ten other than Guaita. Um, 
he probably got the high score for me just for endeavour. Um, him and PVA seem to lack so much confidence, and you could see Zaha screaming his head off. Um, not necessarily because of the players in the positions or, or anything like that, but because they were absolutely terrified of playing a ball that they might end up cocking things up from. Um, so they're both obviously very short on confidence, and whether that's something at home or it's just something. I mean, I, with PVA, I can understand. With Maka, I'm not quite so sure. Um, so I'm not sure if it's the positions or or whether they're just struggling to really find a fluidity that they've had at other times in their careers at Palace. So there was a lot of times yesterday where really a quicker ball or um, some quick triangular passes would have got through their players who I, I didn't think Everton were particularly on form either. So there was plenty of times where breaks looked as though it, it, it could do some damage. But we slowed it down just because everyone was absolutely terrified of playing that that lethal ball through that might get dispossessed. And invariably, they got dispossessed anyway because Everton were, you know, a decent sized team. So other than Bernard, who was about four foot seven, <laughs> um, a decent sized team. Um, so yeah, it, it was interesting because I thought they were in decent positions and they got the ball plenty, but then just didn't do the right thing with it. I mean, Everton certainly high pressed us. I mean, that is something that. I think Silva's been trying to engender in that team for, for the whole season and it's starting to sort of click as they've got towards the end of it. Um, but that yeah, they, they really put our, our defence under pressure and did force that ball long. And again, I bring up the conditions, which didn't make it easy to be accurate. I think, you know, we talk about Benteke, he's great in the air, but if the ball was swirling about and being held up in the wind, very, very difficult to deal with. Um, but no, you know, I'd, I'd certainly take the point, but I want to bring in a, a comment from Andrew James Hepburn we, we got in, and it's, it's on this this subject for sure, where he, he asked the question, and Patrick, I'm going to sort of ask it to you if you don't mind. He says, are we good enough to be a more offensive team? If we pushed forward, would our back four be slaughtered if they didn't have the backup uh, from the midfield and, you know, Townsend if he's playing or whoever happens to be playing across that midfield? Um, because that certainly seems to be how Roy, Roy plays it. I guess it depends on who the back four are. I'm going to say is, but it's definitely are. Um, I'm confident with Sacco and Tompkins in the middle and not needing necessarily a true sitting midfielder, but I do uh, understand that both Luca and Kyoto, when they're playing, do really do a great job of helping. Outside, Juan Bissaka is fine. I think there's absolutely no doubt in my mind PVA needs someone to help him, um, whether it's through tactics where a team would attack than his side uh, more, or just the fact that PV does has to me has no no desire to defend at all. He's much more of a, a quote unquote wing back. So I think we do have that ability. I think in the way I see it is that the, the, like for instance the way Wolf a lot of times like last year you see Wolf playing out wide and he had to come back and support on his side. Whereas now when he's up with Benteke he's not doing as much. And I think that um, it's freed him, but I guess now you could say, "Off oh, well, then now Maya and or McCarthy have to do the defending." So I think the back four, depending on who it is, can defend better. But I don't. I my players don't think that um, the manager thinks they can, which is why we play the way we play. One thing that did get into my head yesterday, um, and I got to say, I, I sort of zoned out a few times. There was a guy trying to get past me for a little while. He's a big lad. Um, and he tapped me on the shoulder and made me jump out of my skin. He's like, oh, sorry, man, I didn't mean to make you jump. And I was like, I am, it's because I'm just miles away. Um, but one thing I was sort of thinking about, Kuate, is he too defined into defending to a point where we're not taking advantage of the fact that he is very good going forward? Because he did get into some advanced positions yesterday. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't our greatest game going forward, but um, yeah. if he did that more, would he be the sort of the extra bit of oil in that machine going forward that would have linked up between Zahar and Benteke when they looked so far apart yesterday. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think he could be. I, I think it's a really good question. I think in his best games, he's been very, you know, to use the, the, the overused phrase, if you like, box to box. I think he can do that. But we know what Roy does. He's, he's very, very disciplined with where he wants people to play. And, and Coyote does the job he's asked to do. Um, it's not just that, you know, players are free to express themselves on the pitch. And I'm not saying Roy wouldn't, wouldn't let that happen. We've seen it plenty of times, but certainly we all know that the, 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 what the focus is on recovery. We, we all know that that's, 
it's it's out in the open and Roy's talked about it a number of times. Um, but I certainly think we could we could get more out of him and he he would be certainly got that extra height, that physicality and he's you know he's good technically as well. He's got an awful lot going for him. So for me, yeah. I I thoroughly agree and what, um, what maybe what surprised me even more was PVA ending up in the in the first 11 this time around. Um so my my assumption is that Hodgson thought that PVA could make up maybe some more of the uh, advanced role stuff that Ward, you know, it's not it's not Joe Ward's way of playing. Um but it made me think he's playing Kuate deliberately as more of a defensive midfield and then giving PVA the license to go forward, which obviously isn't working at the moment because he's not having a great time of things. But I'm thinking, well, you play Joel Ward, Kuate's got much more license to go forward and do what he likes. And you sort of trust Joel Ward, even even on the opposite side to, to, to what he, you'd expect him to be playing. Um, so I wonder if the whole the whole playing PVA thing means that Kuate is sort of having to play... M- more defensively than otherwise he'd want to. Yeah, another thing is, as I'm watching yesterday and going back to it, it's strange that I think that both PVA and even Wan-Bissaka are natural wing-backs, though I did say before, and I and I totally agree with myself, if that makes any sense, that Wan-Bissaka is a much better defender. But I find that when they get forward, they don't cross the ball that much. It frustrated me yesterday, the amount of times that Wan-Bissaka, he actually did have a couple of good crosses, but he would get out wide, but then he would have to cut inside to, I'm going to say MacArthur, I guess, would be inside of him. I know this would have been Mark, Yeah, more right? often. Yeah. And instead of just swinging balls into Benteke, I get that when Beshwai was up front or back way back when, when it was Wilf and Town then, but why is, why wouldn't, um, why wouldn't the manager encourage those two guys? Well, I think, again, it was a very attacking type of uh, fullbacks to, to get crosses in the box. It was kind of weird that we, we, we don't play with the midfielders being wide. It makes sense, you know, tucking Maya, tucking MacArthur. But why isn't, why aren't they just bombing crosses in? And again, yes, they might have been a, a, a bad example because, again, because the, the wind was really bad. But I just think about even previously, I remember one, you know, one talked about that great ball into Bat Shui and he scored that great goal against, was it, I guess yeah. it was Leicester. Yeah, so yes, well, yes, yes. I don't. It, it would frustrate me. They would beat a man. One was, I guess, they would beat him, was making some great one, but then he would always seem to cut inside, like just swing a ball in. It just, I don't understand. I don't understand that from a tactical standpoint. Why do we misuse Benteke so much? And then he gets so much flag, you know, when he doesn't perform. And again, yesterday was not one of his better games. It's just frustrating to me watching that. Yeah, I think from from, from my point, I have to say the lack of crosses when Benteke is on the pitch and it has been like this for two seasons now is baffling and we seem to put plenty in when he's not which is the more baffling part but but there we go um, just before I move on and let Mike jump in I do want to say very very quickly just to finish off answering what um, what Andrew Hepburn sent in I do think we are good enough to be a more offensive team and I think my biggest issue with with how we play at the moment particularly at home actually sits in the fact that I don't believe that there is this one way of doing things. I don't believe that it is right that by attacking we will concede more goals. If I just think you have to, if you accept that Roy's conclusions to how this squad plays and how to get the best out of it are correct, and you ignore, you know, you kind of ignore lots of other teams who have a similar level of player who don't always. Do the same thing every week against the, you know, whatever the opposition. I've kind of messed up how I've said that, but hopefully people know what I mean. I think we're good enough. I just think we need to back our players occasionally uh, to do that. I'm not saying go gung ho. Everyone, whenever I say this, people always argue, oh, we can't go gung ho. That's not what I mean. I'm not saying you immediately stick five people up front at all times. I'm just saying that it doesn't always follow that staying in a game and you know, attacking for 10 or 15 minutes during the course of that game is the best way to get a result. I, I refuse to accept that. Otherwise, I don't really think there'd be any point in me watching football. I think that's an excellent segue to go on to our next topic, which uh, I'm afraid, again, is Hodgson. Because as with every week, a lot of questions come in about him. Um, I think the, the main question is, you know, to what extent is he culpable for yesterday's performance? Um you know, we, we we got a point against them, that kind of thing. He came out after the game 
Uh, and he said that the game didn't go to plan and that we were nowhere near our best was his exact words, um, which was echoed by Zahar as well on Instagram and, and other social media platforms. Um, and I, I can't necessarily see, you know, he, he mentioned the wind, but I can't necessarily see that Benteke or Zahar played quite the way he wanted. Um, well, we've got some listener comments. Alex Roberts, stick or twist with Hodgson. He'll keep us up every year, no doubt, but there's no pressure on us today and we were effing dire. Sorry, I said that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Stuart Trathan, is it time to get rid of Hodgson and we need a number 10? And then Pete Trainer, uh, which I thought was a very interesting comment. So cheers for this, uh, Pete, As and cheers for all the other comments as well. Um I told a first-time Palace visitor sitting next to me at half-time that Rod would, Roy would substitute Mayer for Townsend at 70 minutes. He told me I was mad because Mayer was playing well. At 71 minutes, Roy did precisely that. Are Roy's tactics predictable, obvious and tired? Um, so I, I guess more um, more wide, wide-reaching, how much of yesterday was Hodgson and, and how much was the team not? performing to the the sort of level that he wanted so i'll read a tweet that i sent out yesterday we will probably keep us up next season but he's got no ambition we will never push on with with him in charge and we'll undoubtedly lose players like zaha Juan Rosaka, and sako it's a shame so my point is this he's going to keep us up did a great job last year did a great job this year but Games like yesterday just show me that this is, this is what we're going to be seeing every single season. We're just going to be happy with with staying up. A lot of people will come back at me with, well, what you know, what 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 else do you want? You know, we're in the Premier League. And again, I am not unappreciative of that. I've been a football supporter for Palace for, for over 45 years. It's a long, long time. You know, I'm an old person. I mean, yeah, exactly. Wow. I mean, actually longer <laughs> than that, but I'm not going to tell you how old I am exactly. But I've been a football Palestine for a very long time so I've seen it all I've seen us get relegated you know consecutive season I've seen us get relegated in Premier League go up go down I've, I've, I've been there I've seen everything that you know I've seen everything there is to see from a passport from a from a you know from the era so I get it so all I want is a is is him to show us some ambition and just show me that players like Sacco and Wamba Saka and Zah will want to be here they're not going to want to stay here and I and I love what Wilf Wilf tweeted yesterday not good enough blah blah he's gonna get he's gonna get frustrated under a manager who's going to be happy when you are already safe to go for a nil-nil at home. He's going to be, he's not going to, why would you want to stay? It doesn't make any sense. Why would Juan Basaka want to stay here when he go to, well, I'm going to say Arsenal, not a good choice, but he can go to Tottenham, you know, and, and trade <laughs> Champions League. It just, it, it, why, it just, so it's frustrating. I, I want to stay up. I understand that part, but I also want to get to a cup final and win something. Or possibly push for seventh. Yeah, seventh is very difficult. We understand that Watford spend more money than we do. And so do Wolves. So maybe that's not ideal. But I'm not talking top six. I'm talking seventh because we're not going to be a top six team. I get that. We're not Chelsea and Arsenal or Man United, Man City, you know, Liverpool. But we've got to have some kind of ambition than just finishing mid-table. And people say, what about the old the old Charlton argument? I'm not buying that, guys. I'm not. I've been a fan for too long to be worried about being Charlton. We cannot. It's just silly. We're in a, we've, we've now set a new record for being Premier League. Let's try and push on. I'm sure Parrish wants to push on. It's like, that's what he sounds like. But I'm not saying go, go and hold. But we've got to do this. It has to be more than what we're doing. And again, Roy will keep us up. But I, I watched him coach, uh, manage England. He just is not an ambitious person. He's a good manager. He's a solid manager. But he's not an ambitious manager. And f- for me personally, I need an ambitious manager. Just going to play devil's advocate before I guess Hambo will, will come in. I, I'd say, first of all, you know, we beat Arsenal 3 2 away last week. And if that had been the other way around, if it had been 0 0 uh, at Goodison and we'd won 3 uh, 2 against Arsenal at home, would that have made a difference? Uh, and, 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 and secondly, um, I, I don't necessarily think, it, say we were to keep all three of those players. Over the summer, and I, you know, I probably don't expect that we would, but say that we did. How how close are we? You know, with one or two more signings, um, there, there's so much sort of truncation between the teams in in the Premier League. You know, Wolves on 54 points, um, and they, you know, they've lost. I think they've lost twice to Huddersfield, and they're in seventh. So, you know, I don't think it would take that much for us to push on quite a bit. Um, 
you know, it, it essentially 90% what we're doing, but with, you know, 10% improvement. Um, so, you know, w- would people be happy if, you know, we got one decent player that really kicks on next season, you know, a, a replacement for Kabai or something like that? I, I feel like we'd, we're only sort of one step away from, from being in that situation. I, I get that. And I think it is always worth stopping and, and taking that moment and trying to trying to gain that perspective. Um, and I agree with Patrick, the perspective can't always be, look what happened to Charlton. Um, I think what you also have to consider is whilst we're saying Royal keep us up, I totally believe that with this squad, but when Patrick talks about losing players and how hard some of those players will be to replace, and I'm not saying we necessarily will lose them or we wouldn't have lost them if we played more attacking football anyway, but at some point, you know, the best players from clubs of our size move on. They do, and we have to accept that. And replacing them doesn't offer any guarantees. You know, in recent times, you look at Southampton seem to have that magic touch of selling their best players to Liverpool for huge amounts of money and then bringing in people who are just as good. But eventually, we look at them now, and they they stopped being able to do that. It is dangerous to just think that sticking with what we got, playing the way we're playing, will always keep us up because at some point you have to do something different anyway. Circumstances change, players change, people move on, people retire. So now is, you know, you kind of feel like now is an opportunity. And I felt that this season was an opportunity to do something a bit different and and have that level of ambition. And you know what? Aim high. And if you miss, you miss. But, you know, at some point, if if we're unable to bring... top talent into this club to replace top talent that leaves and get really, really lucky, we will continue to struggle. And at some point that struggle, we will fail. So, you know, as the people in charge of the club will obviously want to guard against that, but it's a really tough job. It's an incredibly tough job. And that's my my fear is similar to Patrick in the sense that I, I worry that we have allowed ourselves to get into this position. Safety at all costs, it's short-termism. And of course the Premier League, pushes you into short-termism. It's so such a myopic division, but at the same time, you can break out of that. You can do different things, you know, and sometimes trying and failing isn't the worst thing either. So, um, you know, there's a lot to think about there. I'm not I'm not anti-Roy at all. I, you know, I get fed up with him a lot, but I can see the good and the bad. But I, I see him as short-term for a variety of reasons, and, and that's always a concern for me. Well, my comment back to that would be, if we were to lose, say, two of those three players, say we were to lose Sacco and AWB, um, I don't think any manager would have an easy job. You know, if if we were to lose two of those three players next season, I would say I'd be happy with 16th. So I'm not sure how the ma- the manager comes into that particularly. Um, you know, it, the first thing I'd want after that would be to make sure we get 40 points. And I remember... Earlier this season, people were discussing on on this particular pod that um, we'd like to be safe with six games to go, which has essentially happened. So um, I think if if we were to lose those players next season, I wouldn't trust any manager to to to, to really push us on. Yeah, I I think that's a good that's a good repost. I'm using big words because I've been drinking too much whiskey. Um, it's no, but you know it's, what I mean. Noted. I take. Yeah, <laughs> but I take that point. But, you know, there is the what if. There is the what if if we gambled a little bit, if we played a system that got more out of the attacking players. You know, if we crossed the ball to Benteke, if we got Will for more support. You know, if we sorted out our midfield so it was regularly as good as it should be, as we feel it should be. You know, because, again, most people feel this season that... And it is weird because points-wise, position-wise... I think I'm I'm really happy, but I don't, I don't feel happy. I don't feel happy watching Palace at home, um, and and sometimes I don't feel happy watching them away. But the majority of the time away from home, I think what the way we play works for us. But you know you can't help but think in the Premier League with the support that we've got at Sellers Park, with the squad that we've got, we should be you know you'd hope to be around mid table in the home form take you know sort of statistics if you like and if you combine that with the undoubtedly brilliant away record we would be pushing you know seventh my god you know you actually think about how good we've been away we could be pushing higher which is crazy but 
I don't know. That it's it's a it's a problem. But you're quite right to say any manager would struggle with the team loses its best players. But the question is, is it more likely we'll lose those good players because of how we've played over the last couple of years? Um, what's the incentive for good players to stay at a club like Palace? I feel like you've not the nail right on the head there. Um... I wouldn't if if I was any other Premier League team, I wouldn't be quaking in my boots at the fault of uh, uh, whatever midfield four we put out. And when we looked most likely yesterday, we totally bypassed the midfield, and it was a ball up to uh, Zahar mostly um, running himself against two and sometimes three defenders, where we looked most like we were going to score. And I think that's the tactic that's got us so many points away. Um, you know. Teams push up and then they get hit on the break. Um, and if we were to buy one or two great midfield players, I think we'd be there. And it wouldn't matter to me whether it's Hodgson or anyone. It doesn't feel like it's a management issue to me. It's a, a massive disconnect between um, defence into midfields into attack. Um, you know, we, we're not crossing the ball because essentially we're relying on um, one... <sighs> One wing back that's still learning his trade because he's only 21 and the other one's that's out of confidence. We haven't got any midfielders that are going to cross the ball other than Townsend. And when he came on yesterday, he, he, you know, he tried his best, but his crosses aren't always the best. Um, so it feels like it's it feels like it's a, a staff issue to me, a player issue rather than a, a managerial one. Certainly, perhaps. Well, we'll leave the debate there for the time being. I'll see a couple of shows and a end of season show left which I'm sure we'll get further into that discussion uh, I just want to cover a few last bits from the match uh, I just want to quickly mention that there was a Wan-Bissaka moment in the first half that was just you know get off your feet and applaud where he you know used strength to hold people off and then dance past two people what a player he is desperate to hang on to him but I think his reputation grows game by game is that the double nutmeg? Yeah, I mean, come on. That is so, so yeah. good. Um, yeah, stand innovation from the whole crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah loved it. Um, but uh, let's talk about the the main moment, which was uh, Vicente Guaita's absolute worldie of a save. And let's not knock the, the attempt at the finish from uh, Cenk Tosin as well. Um, a no-look back heel. But reactions, I mean, I'm going to say it, Spironi-esque reactions, <laughs> thinking, thinking about Jules at his peak, uh, being able to react low down to that kind of stuff. Brilliant from Kuwaita. Absolutely loved it. Just before I discuss the save, which obviously was amazing, um, i got to pick up something I noticed in the first half um, that properly made me laugh. Um, because of the wind, I guess, a little bit, the ball had ended up at the, on the top of the net. And as he did a couple of times, because the ball went on to top of the net, I think three times in the first half, he knocked it up in the air uh, and it fell It fell to the far side of the goal to where he was, but he thought it had fallen to the near side. Um, so he went round to get it, went round the post and realised it was the other side. So he really coolly just picked up his bottle that was the other side of the post and took a drink, <laughs> though he meant, he meant to go that side because he was really thirsty, even though it was freezing. And then went round the other side. So I've got to say, probably that was the finest moment of the game for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the save, I, my heart was in my mouth. I thought it was in um, and it would have been typical like justice uh, for, for for old Tosin to have, uh, to have scored. Um, it was an absolutely amazing save. And it shows how good it is where the club are sending out an email saying save of the season question mark and then providing save from every angle video which goes on for about 10 minutes longer longer than the highlights of the entire game um so you got to say he's he's shown that he just saves more points than Hennessy does as simple as that and I'm sure Patrick will have an opinion on that now nah, I'm not I'm going to skip Hennessy uh I've skipped it for quite a while, by the way, if you know, I haven't made a comment about him in a while, but I will say that um, Guaita is a highlight of my season. That is, that is the one thing I am so, so happy has happened that we have someone in net that everyone can get behind 
He's got a great personality. Reminds me a little bit of uh, John Burridge. Burridge used to do these weird things before, you know, handstands and grab the top of the bar. I remember the kid sitting behind him in the White Horse Lane when he would, you know, warm up and Gwaii to touch in the post and what, what he just what Mike just mentioned. It's, I just love that kind of stuff from a goalkeeper. It's a little eccentric and you have to be to play goalie in. Like I just said, I think that's the best thing that's happened this season. We we have a goalkeeper, or I really believe can win us 10, 50 points a season. And we haven't had that since Jules. And I think that's the best, you know, that's just fantastic. And I just, I'm just really, I'm a little, I'm a little upset. It took a while so long for him to settle in and for Roy to show confidence in him. But I'm really, really glad that now he's in there. He'll hopefully be there for a very, very long time. Again, that's my highlight of my season this year. And that save was brilliant. Everything about it was brilliant. I'm just so happy that, um, you know, he's he's really started to shine this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, look, bottom line is that's that's pretty much all we're going to cover with the Everton game. Um, it, it was rightly last on Match of the Day's highlights. It was um, a very, very short set of highlights for um, goals on Sunday as well. And, uh, yeah, not the best of games. Let's hope uh, the next couple of games are a bit more exciting than that. We've obviously got the dilemma against Cardiff, Gen- Cardiff sorry, gents, where basically, if we don't let Cardiff win, it guarantees Brighton safety. Chances are they're going to be safe anyway. But oh, what a horrible position to be in! Look, they've already cocked it up. They they needed to beat Fulham yesterday, um, and, and really, I was hoping Newcastle could hold on against Brighton, uh, and they didn't. So, I, I I think we'd probably go for three points now because there's no way Cardiff are going to make up the four points in two games. So, we might as well go for the win. Yeah, it's, without doubt, that's the most disappointing thing of the last few weeks is that I wanted Warnock so badly and Cardiff to, to send Brighton down. And now, unfortunately, doing part to that point yesterday, the point they had a couple of weeks ago, the nil-nil, and then us giving them bloody six points. They're going to stay up. That is so, so unbelievably upsetting to me because... As bad as Huddersfield, Fulham and Cardiff have been, Brighton in the last two months have been equally as bad. And the fact that they're going to stay up in the Premier League, we should ha- hold our hands up, by the way, because of us mainly or six points is really upsetting. And that would be the only thing that would save this season for me. If we had set them down, I would have said, you know what? Nah, Horton season, but at least we sent Brighton down. Got to see them again twice next season. I'm not looking yeah. forward to either one of those two games, by the way. Not, not even a little bit. No, um, but... You know, you can look at the positive side of it and say it's a chance for two lots of revenge and maybe we can send them down next season. That's how I'm going to look at it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia Homophobia. doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Okay, joining us right now, we have Michael Kewell, who is our CPF... (laughs) I said it wrong. CPLFC um, correspondent. Um, who went to the, uh, well, I won't spoil the surprise for those who don't know, uh, the game against Charlton ladies um, coming towards the end of the season, obviously. And uh, well, Chewy's going to give us a little bit of a rundown on how the game went. Hi, Chewy. Um, what was it like? Hello. Um, good and bad, I'd say. Um, good in the sense, obviously, the game was held today at Selhurst Park. Uh, it's the last home game of the season at home to Charlton, so South London derby. Um, and it's, it's an idea that's been 
banded around for a little while. Um, an earlier game in the season, I got a few of us got interviewed for a podcast, a different podcast, um, and the idea of playing it. Whoa, whoa, let's stop there. A different podcast. It's uh, one for the actual. Don't worry, it's not a rival club. It was one for the actual um, women's championship. So oh, it's like right. an, an okay, official right. one. I've never heard it since, but yeah, they were going <laughs> right, around the stands off, asking us questions. Obviously, it's a second-rate one to this. That's yeah. okay. I have I have to accept that there are other podcasts out there that that cover <laughs> things. All right, I'm okay now, Chewie. Let's go for it. Yeah. So um, yeah. So the the idea's been kind of put around for a while about the teams playing at their actual uh, main stands. Um, so for the women to get the chance today, so last game of the season was fantastic. Um, turnout was brilliant. I believe it was just short of a thousand, um, which will be up there with one of the highest ever attendances. Whether it beat United earlier this season or not, I don't know. Um, but there's great support for the ladies. Unfortunately, on the pitch, didn't quite live up to that. Um, and we lost 4-1. But in all fairness, the scoreline probably doesn't match the, the performance. Um, we started the better team, in all fairness. And their first goal came against the run of play. Um, kind of caught us out. The ball across the pitch, uh, across the box, and a tapping at the far post. And then a few minutes later, Callie Balfour, who was playing up front for us, um, and in fact, my recent five by five interview on our, on our website was with Callie. Uh, she got taken out, <laughs> taken down. Was on the side getting treatment, and while so while we were down to ten, they went up the other end and scored pretty much a carbon copy of their first goal. Uh, it's typical um, child taking advantage of an injured player. Um, very yeah, low, yeah. very low, typical scum. Yeah, exactly, and and we, you know, we we great, we we worked hard, and we were creating chances. Um, we had one cleared off the line uh, from a corner, but went in at half time two 0 down, and then second half came out again. We were lively, working hard, pressing, and then against the run of play, they go and tuck one in, and it's three 0 And I think credit to the ladies in all fairness, they they didn't give up. We then won a penalty. We probably should have had one a few minutes earlier. Um, got a penalty. Caddy scored it. And then we went very close two minutes, a few minutes later to making it two. Um, really, you know, Charlton kind of escaped a little bit. And then they pumped a long ball, uh, a mistake by our keeper. And their, their attackers got the ball off of her and again passed it across to tap into an empty net. So they kind of scored three goals, very, very similar. And the scoreline, as has happened a lot this season, really, the, the scoreline looks terrible, but it doesn't actually reflect the, the performance on the pitch. No, for sure. And um, obviously, it is a new level for um, the Crystal Palace Ladies Club. You know, obviously, promotion last season. It was always going to be difficult this season. Um, again, so is there a danger of relegation there? I, I am showing my lack of knowledge on the subject, which I hope to improve. No. From what I'm told, I mean, I'd heard different things throughout the season. Um, but speaking to Paula, who is the club secretary a couple of, the other week, uh, there is no relegation this season. Um, and I think if there had been, it'd have only been one spot because it's an uneven league at the moment. There's 11 teams in it. Um, and the belief is that they want to get it to 12. So it'd be two up, one down. And Millwall are finishing bottom. So if someone was going to go down, <laughs> thankfully, and by some miracle in all fairness, it wouldn't have been us. But no, there, there's no relegation this season. So um, we've got one game left. Um, and then we can uh, rebuild for next season. So for those, anyone at home who's thinking of going to watch the Palace ladies. And I think, we, you know, we talked a little bit about this last time uh, you joined us. But just to kind of emphasise the point, really, what what is the standard like? What kind of football are we seeing? And, you know, what's what's the encouragement for people to get along and support the, the ladies who have, you know, obviously made huge strides in recent years? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because for all of us, you know, we've watched men's football for so many years, you get used to some one one certain way. And so... I think when you first watch the ladies play, it is different. I think even if you watch, you know, the internationals with the England ladies, and you know, there is the football is is it is different. But I mean, you know, at times this season, I mean, even times today, some of our football is fantastic. Um, and I think one of the things that stands out is no one ever gives up, no matter what the scoreline is. You know, no matter how bad the game might be going, everyone fights for every ball. You know, and we, we, well, unfortunately, we see it in the men's game far too many times. You know, the the, the players who just, you know, your, your Patrick Bamford's and stuff who come in and, and don't bother and 
don't care and, and you don't get any of that and and so while at times maybe the quality is, is a bit different um, and you, you do notice that a couple of guys sitting behind us today who I don't think have ever been to a game and talk like they were uh, you know Sir Alex Ferguson and knew <laughs> everything and really just kind of were waffling um, but they, they've not seen the women's game before so I think probably it's a bit of a surprise to them but you know they they are improving. I mean, it's hard to judge us this season. The last few years, we've won the league every season. We've been winning trophies. You know, we've been bang on form. We've been one of the top teams. And this year, because of the whole mess last summer with we weren't in the championship, the three weeks beforehand we were in the championship, we've kind of come into it um, with a team built for a league below. Yeah. So our standard, compared to some of the others... Um, when we see, like, they see like Spurs and United, you know, some of the football that they've played, um, our standard hasn't been quite with them. But then that was going to happen because of, I say, you know, our squad was built to compete to win the league below. So um, it, for me, it's I find it thoroughly enjoyable. It kind of takes me back to my old days, my early days of supporting Palace and with the crowd and everything as well. You, you're building something. Um, for sure. You know, it's nice. It's nice to be there, being a part of seeing it being built. And for me as well, I know, like obviously for for our website, I I cover the ladies as much as I can. And it's nice to have the opportunity to do it whilst it's building, because we, you know, back in the nest, can grow with the club mm-hmm. as they progress. And we are the only ones who, as far as I'm aware, fan fan base wise, offers the amount of content and that and coverage for the ladies that that we do. So. Um, yes, yeah, I... definitely, and obviously you've been a huge part of that. And obviously, I'll take this opportunity to to thank you very much uh, for for doing so. Um, there's a, there's a couple of things in there that I I wanted to mention. The first was you mentioned Patrick Bamford, and I couldn't help but think about the terrible assault on his hair today that saw a Villa player get sent off. And I've said today, I mean the day of recording. Mikey's there to shout at me if I'm not careful. So um, yeah, terrible, terrible stuff for poor Patrick. But. Um, back back to the point. I think you know, talking about the way we've interacted with um, with the ladies' team. You know, obviously there's great interaction on social media with them. They you know they're always quick to to comment on articles and, and thank us for well specific mainly thank you for um, for taking notice. And it's something that we want to encourage. It's something we want to get involved with. And it'd be great if more fans uh, could could get down and support the the ladies and help you know help them grow, help them move move on. And who knows with a uh, with a good sort of pre-season, some good planning. Hopefully next season's a, a, another step up. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, just to say, you know, with credit to the ladies, they, as you say, on social media, they're always very involved. Um, after going down at Hayes, um, I think they're always in the, like the the club bar afterwards, meeting fans, signing autographs. Um, the, the little match day programme comes with an autographs page on it. Um, you know, they're always, always giving time for the fans that turn up. Um, you know, and they they earn the support that they get, and a lot a lot, a lot of clubs this season, fans and players wise, have said about how our fan base stands out above everyone else's because they come to to come to Hayes or today to sell us, and there's cheering and songs and you know Charlton, they had, there's quite a lot of Charlton fans there today, but you only heard them when they scored and someone rang a bell for some reason and a few people <laughs> cheered, whereas we had songs going the whole way through the game, you know and. So the atmosphere you get at Sellers at times that completely exists with the ladies as well, um, and yes. as, just very quickly as you mentioned about next season, from what I've heard, I think that the plans have already been placed for a long time for next season. Um, Steve Parish, from what I'm aware, is backing the club. He has done for years. It's been misreported, but um, it, he's, he's back. He's back in the club, you know, very well, um, and there's things already lined up to improve and actually to be looking at next season to be a top after the table team, perhaps push on a bit higher. Um, with the likes of United going, I mean, how can you compete against a team that's got a £5 million budget uh, and is the only professional team in the league? Yeah, You know, absolutely. there's a reason they've won, the reason they've won it. But next season, from the little whispers I hear, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to and to be, to be um, positive about. And that hopefully... What we've seen this season has been a massive learning curve for everybody, um, but next season could be could hopefully be something very exciting. Fantastic, Chewy! I can't thank you enough for joining us today. 
And of course, we'll continue to cover. Um, go to backofthenest.com, check out all of Chewy's articles on there, as well as the articles from many other writers. We just had a new influx of writing talent as well. Plenty to enjoy on there, and there'll be more to come before the end of the season and going way into the future, of course. Chewy, thank you so much. No worries. You're welcome. Cheers. Back of the Nest Match Review Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, a final little bit of contact. Uh, Karen Baxter got in touch with a picture on Twitter. Uh, Mike, you have to take this one, I'm afraid. Um, Obviously, as resident vegan, it is a meat-based picture of an Arthur Waite burger. Thoughts? I've got to say, first of all, I'm not one of those vegans that tells everyone I'm a vegan. So that was brought up. I wouldn't have mentioned it. Um, you, you kept you you keep text you text me almost every day, telling me that you're a vegan and that I should be a vegan too. Why are you, why are you lying to everybody? <sighs> Jesus. So Ka- Karen Baxter has sent us a picture from the Arthur Waite uh, after the game. She purchased uh, a burger. Um, as we've all done in the past, um, I've got to say before before I get onto it, my diatribe this season is I used to love the falafel burgers, especially when you got there early. You could get a pint and a falafel burger for a fiver. That's gone in, and in its place is this horrible like microwave pot thing with rice in. It's rubbish. So if Steve Parrish is listening, I'd like the falafel burgers back next season. Um, but she uh, she said the food is disgusting in the Alpha weight. Uh, not not cooked through and cold, and then sent a picture of a burger. And I guess maybe Mikey can add it in um, on, on when we uh, we put the pod out. But it was it looked as though it had been cooked for about three seconds and would give someone food poisoning. So I reckon she probably deserves uh, at least a couple of free meals next time she's around. Uh, but. You know that that that's the real issue from yesterday. Um, you, you go there, you watch a shit game, and then you're given a burger that's probably give you salmonella. It's not ideal, <laughs> is it? Like, no, I'll, I'll be honest. The picture, even as a uh, someone who's who, you know who eats his fair share of raw beef, um, that was a genuinely terrifying picture. And um, yeah, um, not great. But uh, hey, you know, I suppose it's that point in the season as well where we have to. Concern ourselves with the food and other bits and pieces because there's not an awful lot else going on. So yeah, that's not to uh, say that Karen's point isn't a valid one. Of course it is. You know, at the very least, we expect you know some food that won't kill us at a, at a football match, particularly for the price you have to pay it these days. And look, I understand why football pri- food prices are so expensive. It's a weird little economy there. You only get a very short amount of time to sell your food to your customers. Uh, and the rates are pretty high, so I know all that. But um, cook it, cook it, guys. Well, on on the on the subject of food, um, there was a a kid a couple of ways in front of me, and I guess he was his first game of the season because I've not seen him before. Um, and he was standing on the the seat for the first half, so he could see his dad was holding him up. Start of the second half, he'd been bought some chips, and he literally just sat down and ate them, so he couldn't see a thing. Like everyone else was standing up, he just sat down and enjoyed his chips because that's how bad the game was. <laughs> it was better to sit and enjoy some chips and ketchup than actually yeah, watch the game. So fair play yeah, to that too, kid. Right. I have to say, I uh, I missed the boiled burgers that uh, smelt faintly of excrement. Those were the days. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I think we'll end the show there. Obviously, I have to thank Sam for producing. We've got to thank Mikey Fairley for his amazing contribution. Obviously, the highlight of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> thank you, obviously, to Patrick um, for stepping in as the sub of the sub. Um, and I hope DR was able to free his dad from whatever jam he was in at the kebab shop. I'm not sure they have jam at the kebab shop, but anyway. Uh, Mike, you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone, and that includes Paul Beards, Liam Talbot, and Mark Groucher for simply asking us how we're possibly going to make an hour pod out of that game. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we sort of, we managed it, didn't we, really, somehow? Um, just about. Just also, about. I want to give a really quick shout-out to... Uh, well, it's Jake. Um, he's Ebo on Twitter. I'm just trying to find his tweet now, desperately, and I've just seen a picture of the burger. Wow, wow, that's horrendous. Um, but uh, a friend of Jake's, um, at Trevi Davis, that's T R E V V Y. 
D-A-V-I-E-S. Uh, pop onto his Twitter page if you want to back his uh, um, he's Recycling and Aid of St. Christopher's Hospice, which is a fantastic uh, cause for certain. I think he's doing 400 miles or so. Um, it's uh, yeah, just just I'll hit I've hit retweet on it. I'll retweet it again, but yeah, at Trevi Davis. Um, he's a Palace fan and uh, raising money for an extremely good cause. If you've got a spare five of this month, go for it. Patrick, anything from you? Oh, I've got to say thank you to Mark. I didn't say thank you to Amelia. Uh, wanted to mention, um, Alex White's dad. Um, Alex White used to be a, a huge contributor to this uh, show when it was actually whole radio. His father, unfortunately, Philip White, had a freak accident at home, and he has now a devastating spinal injury. And um, so they're doing a, a crowdfunding uh, to raise some money to rehabilitate his father. So first, I want to send my best wishes to uh, Alex's dad, hopefully. Um, I know the crowdfunding is about 90% now. They're trying to raise, I believe, £50,000, about £46,000. Um, I guess, can we put the link somewhere, Um I yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get Sam or or even Mike to re uh, to retweet that'd be, it. On yeah, the, that'd be uh, great. I mean, back in the next feed. Yeah, all the best, to Alex and his and his family, because he's going for a very tough time. And it was also actually Alex's birthday today, mate. So happy birthday, mate. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, happy birthday, Alex. And obviously, terrible to hear that news. I didn't know that uh, before you mentioned it there, Patrick. And uh, I, I met Alex's dad a few years back as well. Um, I think when we were playing a bit of five aside or something like that, I seem to recall. So. Very sorry to hear that, and obviously best wishes for your recovery and hope people uh, can contribute to the crowdfunding of that as well. So brilliant. Thank you for listening. Thanks for all your contacts, and um, obviously check out the preview show and obviously Love Sport, Tuesday 7 till 9pm. Um, that's the, that's our live show as well, and we'll be available as a podcast shortly afterwards. Finally, give us a five-star review. Don't care what you think of the show, just do it, and then that way more people find us. And uh, yeah, guess it costs us more money to put the show anyway let's not think too much about that cheers bye it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.